On the block, on demand. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer, yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin, Stone Cold! Somebody in Vegas told him they were going to win by 20! The Bills make me want to... Taylor, going to take his shot, throwing in zone, he's got weapons! Touchdown! This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. Trick or treat, smell my feet. You're on the block, on the air. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1. Baby, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? They love Halloween in Utica. You can listen online, ESPNSyracuse.com. You can listen via the ESPN app. See, this is where we help you out, kids, because you're like, man, I want to listen to acts, but I want to take the kids trick-or-treating. I just, I can't do both. And you're a filthy, stinking liar if you say nonsense like that, please. Come on, man. Get the app on your phone. Get that ESPN app. Hit the Listen tab. Find ESPN Syracuse. And then you get the best of both worlds. You get the tricks. You get the treats. You get on the block, on the go, wherever you're going. You got to have that ESPN app on your phone so you can listen to us wherever you go, including trick-or-treating tonight. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, Just a reminder that if you hand out mallow cups to children on Halloween, you go straight to hell. There's just no... In between, there's no discussion. Just get out of here. Do not hand out mallow cups. Everybody understand this? Everybody good? Okay, good. Good to know. Don't do it, okay? Just just put them down, walk away, go get the Snickers. Okay? Everybody likes Snickers. Mallow cups, if there's a discussion, like, do I want to eat this? Do I want to? Just give them the Three Musketeers bar. Snickers, Reese Pieces, M&M's. The list is so long. And then you get the Mellow Cups. Why? Why, people? Why? Don't do it. You are the true evil of Halloween. If you give out or consume that vile candy. All right. On that note, let's talk some sports, shall we? 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. Text lines 288-0644. That's how you get in touch with us today, we've got two guests on the program uh, here in this hour. Uh, somebody that you have not heard on this program before, but looking forward to chatting with him. Chris Fuller, Syracuse Athletics. He's got a title. I should know it. I don't know it offhand. Let me see here. Uh, Deputy Athletics Director. There you go. Chris Fuller will join us. So Syracuse is at Florida State this weekend, which we will discuss. But they're home against Wake Forest next weekend. It's Military Appreciation Day next weekend, so we are going to discuss some great ticket deals and some other things happening for that Wake Forest, some SU Athletics matters. I don't know what Chris's stance on Mallow Cups are. Maybe we'll get that as well, but we'll talk to Chris here this hour about uh, Military Appreciation Day, Syracuse football, Syracuse athletics. 
Looking forward to that. Looking forward to our man, Matthew Fairburn, to discuss. Let's be factually correct on this program. Your first place, Buffalo Bills. Some injuries starting to pile up, which is not good when you got the Jets on Thursday night. So we'll get the latest on that. Who's in and who's out? Are they just being precautionary for this Thursday night game against the Jets? All the latest from Fairburn, who asked one of the greatest questions of a coach in a press conference I believe I've ever heard today. And I'm not making that up. And it was not a talk about question, by the way. So good on Fairburn for that. Seth Goldberg. You mentioned interrupting we, the monologue. You said we like this to be factually, important, Goldberg. It is. You said we like to be factually yes, we do. correct. Yes. The Bills aren't in first. Seth, don't, don't don't ruin my moment, okay? Just 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 get up and, and leave. Just get up and leave. Goodbye. <sighs> he just he had to come in. He had to ruin my fun. He just he had to ruin my fun. He had to ruin my fun. He just he had to come in and ruin my fun. I can't say that anymore. The no longer in first place Buffalo Bills, the should be in first place Buffalo Bills. I mean, they're not in first place because New England's played more football games. So, so, um, so yeah, they're they're kind of not in first place, but they're kind of in first place Buffalo Bills, right? By virtue of they've played one less game than New England. Buffalo Bills. They're still in first place in my heart. That's all that matters. So we will discuss that with Matthew Fairburn later in the show. It's Top 5 Tuesday. We've got a fancy voice guy for it and everything. Number one. That's right. Top 5 teams in college football, the National Football League, and a bonus Top 5. Ooh. Could it be Halloween related? You never know. We're going to go over the odds with Dino Babers. I'll explain what that means later in the show. Hot takes, as usual, what Jerry Jones had to say about Zeke Elliott, current status. Uh, Now the suspension's back on, but they can appeal it in that ongoing saga. Why Joe Girardi left the Yankees, what he had to say about that, and another terrific Mike Francesa clip, who will explain to us today why a second-round pick is better than a first-round pick. We start, though, with... And I discussed this a bit on yesterday's show, but you know, in thinking about it and looking at it and, and recognizing the moment, I think one thing that Syracuse football has done very well this year is you've got to recognize the moments as they come. You've got to grasp things that are right there in front of you. Okay, It's the toughest schedule in college football. There's no way that they can man up with Clemson and win that game in the trenches. And then they kind of did. They took advantage of the situation presented to them. They knocked Kelly Bryant out of the football game. They were the more physical team in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They were aggressive in their game plan. They seized the moment. Friday night at the Dome, big crowd, everything they needed, a few things that went their way, but they seized the moment, right? Even in some losses, showing the country that they can compete with an LSU, that they can compete with a Miami that they can stay in these games and come back in a second half and have a good showing against NC State. They've lost all those games, but all lost by less than 10 points, and they are improving as a football team. They're seizing the moment. They're saying in the here and now, I don't care what the ranking on the other side says, we're getting closer. Tangible progress, even in a loss. Nobody likes moral victories, but you could say, we're getting better as a football team, right? There's other examples I can go over here. There's some where they have not seized the moment, like Middle Tennessee State. 
There's four games to go, all in the winnable category, so we'll see how this all plays out. But the moment they have to seize now is Florida State stinks, which is not something that happens often. Florida State is a mess. That team, chemistry-wise, is destroyed. They are not a confident football team. You have players now, as the losses continue to pile up, who are questioning leadership, who are questioning coaching. You've got a fan base that's agitated. You've got a coach in Jimbo Fisher who, you know, was going after fans at home games and is not sorry for it. I mean, at least the games prior to this, Florida State was losing, you know, 31-28 by less than a touchdown. Friday night, they got absolutely smoked. So if you're Syracuse, it's time to seize a moment, right? Well, what you don't want is to wake the sleeping giant. You don't want Florida State to... what. You, here's the story I don't want to hear this week, and we'll have a couple people on the cover Florida State this week, but I don't want to read or hear about a feature story from Florida State this week that's like, there was an emotional team meeting, and they aired their grievances, and everybody came together. I'm, like I don't want the kumbaya moment. I want chaos. I want stress. I want hot seat. I want things that tear apart football teams. This just sounds all so morbid, right? But that's what will win this game for Syracuse. There's nothing worse than wasted talent, right? You ever see a Bronx Tale? Or was that Goodfellas? Am I confusing my mob movies? Anyway, in one of those mob movies, they said there's nothing worse than wasted talent. I believe it was a Bronx Tale. Florida State is a prime example of this because they're just too good to be 2-5. and five. They are too good to be a team that has to win the rest of their football games just to qualify for a bowl game. They are too good for this. Yes, DeAndre Francois went down, but James Blackman, or who would ever take over a quarterback, in theory, this is why you... What does Dino Babers always talk about, right? Depth and building depth and players that come in and can supplement hurt players, which they're going to need to do in the secondary. Because now we knew Antoine Cordy was gone, but now we know Jordan Martin has been added to that list. And for the most part, particularly on the defensive line, Syracuse has turned to their depth guys, and they have held up. They're under the bargain. They have won football games. They have performed beyond what you would think backups on this Syracuse team would do. They have stepped up. Florida State has plenty of depth. To be fair, they've had some injuries. But this is four- and five-star talent depth, which just goes to show you there's more to it than just, you know, pile up the recruiting rankings and just put a football team out there and you'll win nine games, no matter what. What I want to hear more of this week are things like senior linebacker Jacob Pugh trying to explain the situation, telling the Orlando Sentinel, and I quote, there's a lack of leadership. Everybody's just doing their own thing, pretty much. Everybody's worried about everything else. A lot of players are probably worried about the NFL draft or whatever else. Nobody's really focused. That's what you want to hear coming out of Tallahassee. What you don't want to hear is rallying the troops. Jimbo Fisher finally got his message across. What a eureka moment. What a great practice we had. Players-only meetings. I don't want to hear any of that. I want to hear more chaos. I want to hear more quotes like that. That's seizing the moment. That is recognizing the Florida State is down. And I know what Vegas says. 
And you know my theory on that is Vegas wants your money. They don't necessarily believe Florida State is better, although they tend to put up more hotels than they take down in Las Vegas. And I don't know if you've noticed this. This is more on the NFL front than college. But Vegas is killing the common man this year when it comes to, for entertainment purposes only, wagering on the National Football League. College football, though, is a crazy world you can never quite nail down. Here's what I know. In the here and now, in 2017, put history aside, put talent aside, put the usual storylines aside, Syracuse should beat Florida State. If you are judging how both teams are playing right now, the circumstances of it, the confidence of one team versus the other, no football game's ever been played on paper. But the tide has turned, we are into the season, and at this moment in time, you should beat that team. Flat out, period. You should beat that team. Can Syracuse turn the tables and get what would still be a name brand win? Yes, Florida State's down. There's a lot of yeah buts that come with that, but think about this. Think how wild this is that Syracuse could have in its back pocket in a singular football year. Wins over Clemson and Florida State if they can take care of business Saturday. Now, Clemson doesn't have the yeah, but notation to it. They're still one of the best teams in college football. They could be in the first playoff ranking that comes out tonight. That is a solid win no matter how you look at it. Florida State's got the yeah, but. Well, you got them in a down year, but they're still Florida State. They're still loaded with four- and five-star players It's more of a mental breakdown. So, for one more week anyway, let's hope that chaos reigns in Tallahassee and players call each other out and nobody has a kumbaya moment and Jimbo Fisher still can't figure things out because it all works for Syracuse. Because they grab a win on the road, they grab a win over a named program, they get to five wins, one away from bowl eligibility with three to go and two of those at home. That's the kind of swing a game like this can represent, as opposed to what we all thought it would be. Just, you know, take your lumps, get out of there healthy, and focus on the last three games to fight for a bowl game. Syracuse can get this one in their back pocket over a team that is licking their mental wounds. That's a game changer right there. That's what's on the line here, and they're coming out of a bye in Florida State. I'm watching—I just— The thing is, like, you can look at bad teams or teams struggling or you can look and there's there's, there's reasons. You know, like North Carolina, for example, has lost 22 football players due to injury. They're going to stink, right? I can look at uh, certain teams that have tough schedules or lost their, in Florida State's an example of this, but lost their star quarterback. Like, you can look at certain teams like, I know why they're down this year. I still don't get why Florida State stinks. I've watched Florida State all year long, including Friday night, and I'm like, okay, you're not this bad. You're just not this bad of a team. They just don't show up. They're not mentally there. They quit Friday night against Boston College. They're a mess. They're a mess. They're disorganized. They're all over the place. But football is a weird thing, man. When you got that much talent, you can just go out there and let it roll. You do not want that to be Saturday. Well, how about this, kids, before we take a break, and we've got Matthew Fairburn coming up next hour. 
who can give us uh, some of the details on this. Your Buffalo Bills have acquired wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin from the Carolina Panthers. According to Adam Schefter, the real Adam Schefter. Let's see, why would the Bills make a deal with the Carolina Panthers? Hmm. So far, all the trades the Bills have made looking pretty good. Kelvin Benjamin, giddy up. So that news coming across on what has been a pretty active NFL trade deadline day, not just Halloween. It's NFL trade deadline day, right? So Calvin Benjamin, now a member of your Buffalo Bills. We'll talk to Matthew Fairburn about that breaking news next hour. When we come back, though, we're going to talk to somebody for the first time on this program. He is somebody who is heavily involved with the comings and goings, the daily operation of Syracuse Athletics, but maybe a name you're not as familiar with as, say, John Wildhack or some other names out there, Herm Frazier and people that we've talked to on this show or that you hear. Chris Fuller is going to join us next to discuss, amongst other things, Military Appreciation Day that's coming up next week. We'll do that when we come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. I met him 15 years ago. I I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? He's been here once tonight. I think he'll come back. I'm going to wait for him. I still think I should notify the radio and television. No. If you do that, they'll see him on every street corner. They'll look for him in every house. Just tell your men to keep their mouths shut and their eyes open. I'll check back in an hour. Oh, that's not going to matter, Sheriff. No, it is not. Still the best. Still the best. It'll be on my television tonight as the trick-or-treaters come. I may or may not have already watched it about six times because it's always on AMC this time of the year. Not a debate, my friends. Best Halloween movie is Halloween. Best scary movie is Halloween. I will not take any other answers to that question. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's do this thing. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. In today's version of Is This Thing a Thing? Is the NFL trade deadline a thing? And the answer is yes? Question mark. Didn't used to be. Now it is. And we have breaking NFL trade deadline news. Welcome. To your technically not first place because the Patriots have played more games for us, but still kind of near first place. Buffalo Bills, Kelvin Benjamin. Oh, baby. How about that? So the Bills have acquired Kelvin Benjamin from the Carolina Panthers for a third and a seventh round draft pick. 
Brandon Bean, the former Carolina Panthers assistant general manager. Sean McDermott, the former Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator. Pulling in a big old fish for Tyrod Taylor. And the Bills need it. Have you seen the Bills wide receiver situation? It's uh, fragile. Benjamin comes in. Now, I don't know if he'll play Thursday night. Kind of a quick turnaround for that. But for the second half of the season in an offense that needs a big target like that to complement an up-and-coming Zay Jones, you know, they've picked up Deontay Thompson, and, and they're just kind of getting by with what they have. Charles Clay's hurt right now. That is a big-time number one wide receiver that the Buffalo Bills just brought in. And this is why you acquire draft picks, you keep them in the bank as capital, and you bust them out at this moment. Now, it's funny. We will talk to Matthew Fairburn, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, next hour on the show in an already scheduled interview, which is even better now to have Matthew on to discuss all this. But Brandon Bean, according to our friend Sal Capaccio, saw him on Twitter say this earlier today, that... So Brandon Bean's walking off the field after practice, and, you know, naturally the media is like, hey, it's trade deadline, anything happening? And he's like, well, there's nothing in the work right now, but you never know. If I get a phone call, things could happen. Well, things are happening. You know what else happened today? Jay Ajay traded to Philly in exchange for a fourth-round pick that was part of the Vikings trade when Sam Bradford went to Minnesota. Did you write all that down? There'll be a quiz later. Uh, the Seahawks acquired Pro Bowl left tackle Dwayne Brown from the Texans for cornerback Jeremy Lane and a fifth-round pick. Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, as you heard last night, traded to San Francisco for a second-round pick, and you know Marcel Darius was traded Friday. So the Bills have made two of the biggest trades at the trade deadline. A trade that did not go down, by the way. The Bengals and Browns tried to make an Ohio transfer. And getting A.J. McCarron, but they did not beat the NFL deadline. As reported by Adam Schefter, the real Adam Schefter, because the fake Adam Schefter reported that the Patriots signed Colin Kaepernick today, a fact that several blue-checked, verified NFL reporters retweeted as if it were true, including, and I love Peter King, but Peter King, a couple other NFL reporters, hook, line, sinker, fake news. Look for that blue check, kids. The blue-checked Adam Schefter Adam Schefter, pardon me. Adam Schefter is the fake one. Adam Schefter. Uh, Bengals and Browns thought they beat the clock on A.J. McCarron trade. The clock beat them close, but no deal. Of course, the Cleveland Browns couldn't pull that one off. So, Bills make a big trade. couple other big ones there. Philly gets a great running back addition to head down the home stretch in the second half. The Eagles clearly the best team in the National Football League right now. But the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, how many trades did Bill Belichick turn down, including from Cleveland, by the way, who was offering him much more than San Francisco did, and he flips him for a second-round pick? Uh, here for analysis on that, by the way, is a WFAN host, Mike Francesa, and a caller. He deserve a lot of money. Because of what he did, everyone knows the kid can play. The kid... How many games did he play? Four? Yeah, he did. But you know what? I'm telling you, this kid is going to get... This kid is going... If he was on the free agent market, this kid will get major money. Major money. Absolutely. So why did they get a first round pick for him? They did, did get, get a first, first round pick. pick. They got the very fourth pick in the draft. They got a guy, a I team that's... Second round, San Francisco, they're going to have the number two pick. That's the 34th pick. Do the math. Wait, that's not a first round pick. That is the same as a first. It's better than a first round pick. 
because you're paying second-round money. You're still getting the 34th pick. People love those picks. The Pats love those picks between 33 and 36. They love it. It's the same thing as getting a first-round pick. It's a 34th pick. It's the same thing as a first-round pick. See, it's not because it's a second-round pick, but see, that's... He's not wrong. The Patriots actually do love getting those picks, and they do a nice job with those picks. And it seems like New England snags those early second-round guys better than anybody in the NFL. So Francesa's not completely wrong. The guy is drunk. No, no, no. He's no. He's not there. But it's, it, it's, see, it's better than a first-round pick. See, no, it's it's no. It's, Dumb. Yes, thank you, Jim. It is not. Better than a first round pick, but I, I kind of. That's hot. Kind of get it. Kind of, sort of. Even the caller was like, "Mike," <laughs> the caller is ranting. He's like, "Whoa, wait a minute! Did he just say that?" Uh, let's stay in New York, shall we? Joe Girardi said he was uh, quote surprised and disappointed by the Yankees' call to. They didn't officially fire him, but we all know they fired him. Uh, Girardi in his first interview since the announcement Thursday saying that he would not be back with the Yankees, which is a firing, discussed a wide range of topics with The Athletic, including his relationship with New York's front office and plans for the future, saying, quote, it was fairly quick. Brian told me as an organization that decided to go in a different direction. We talked for a few minutes, and we talked later on for a little bit longer. For me, there was disappointment because I kind of wanted to finish what we started this year, and I was looking forward to the growth of the organization, the young players, the more young players with the veterans we had, quote, I was very excited about 2018, but in a lot of respects, I'm thankful. I was there for 10 years. How many managers, head coaches, and sports get to spend 10 years in one place? He's right about that. He outlasted a lot of people that have managed in that city with that organization probably a lot longer than people thought he would stick. You know, one, you win that World Series in 2009. That gives you a little collateral. Stay for a while. What I'm wondering is, and I don't want to try and get in Girardi's head, but if he was surprised by this, if he wanted to manage next year, and I know he's got a real bond and a connection with that organization. He played there. He knows these players, developed them as they came up. But if he wanted to manage, how did you not get the Nationals job? That team is set up for a guy like Joe Girardi because that team, if they don't win this year, and maybe that's why he didn't want to go there because it's not a long-term up-and-coming situation because the Yankees are built for the next 10 years. They're ahead of pace to get a game away from the World Series this year. So maybe you didn't want to go somewhere where, okay, maybe you can win a World Series now, but Bryce Harper's going to go, and then big free agent contracts are going to come, and it's going to kind of splinter away. That is a veteran-heavy team that is built to win the World Series yesterday, and they haven't gotten by the divisional round. So if it was a manager, pardon me, if it was just a matter of I want to manage, he'd be there with the Nationals. But I think Girardi wants to be in the right spot. And the Yankees were the right spot. And it, but it seems like, not that this is a big surprise to people, but the more and more we go here, that they were just going to move on no matter what. I was surprised to hear Dave Dombrowski, the manager, of the, the general manager of the Red Sox, say John Farrell could have won a World Series here. He was still going to move on. Brian Cashman seems to feel the same way. I don't know if Dusty Baker would have been fired if the Nationals, say, got to the National League Championship Series or the World Series, but you have those teams. The Cubs completely wiped out their entire coaching staff, and one of them moved on 
and went to the Nationals, but they made changes everywhere in that coaching staff. They were in the National League Championship Series. Playoff teams, teams that have won over 90, in some cases over 95 games, making changes. Is, is there That's that much coaching talent out there, managerial talent out there in baseball that they can do this? Is there an overabundance of qualified people that have not been put in the right spot? I mean, I'm still looking at this, trying to figure it out. I'm also trying to figure out what's going on with Zeke Elliott. Uh, you know those signs that they have outside factories? It's been this many days since we've had an incident. With the Zeke Elliott thing, he is currently suspended. This morning, he was currently not suspended. Now he's suspended, but they've got 24 hours to appeal it, so he'll probably still play this weekend. Who knows with the way this is going? But Jerry Jones says that Zeke, no matter how this rounds out, is still kind of paying for well, let's listen. Here's how Jerry Jones put it. I am very troubled uh, by the swings that we've we've had. Uh, that uh, this this very thing the judge in this case uh, ratified for the commissioner, but his swing of judgment has been unbelievable from the Ray Rice thing all the way up to to uh, 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 one or two games, all the way up to uh, six game suspension. You've got to judge each situation individually. I don't think that Jerry Jones is too off to say that, okay, the NFL botched prior domestic violence situations, Ray Rice being the most notable. So what the NFL does here is they go over the top and would rather scale back as opposed to too little and get ridiculed for underpunishing. That's what they did with Ray Rice. Ray Rice, here are the details, two games. Video comes out, oh boy. Then they had to go back. And they had to suspend him for the year, and that got challenged. And meanwhile, the NFL just looks like, you know, it's a clown car, right? Benny Hill theme playing in the background. What are you doing here? With Zeke, the details were not as vivid. There was no video. There was some descriptive police accounts. But you probably could have given him two games. But they went six, knowing it would be appealed to death, knowing that, you know, again, the winner in all these situations, billable hours, here come the lawyers, that maybe they'd have to scale back. And this has been embarrassing from the sense of he's supposed to be suspended, but he's played every game this year. And, you know, it seems like a judge every week is like, I I probably need you on my fantasy team, so here's another reprieve for another week, right? But it is smart of the NFL to go over the top on these things when it comes to domestic violence and if there's anything there. And remember, a, a law enforcement investigation pretty much came up with, well, we don't have enough here. But the NFL did its own investigation and said, you're gone for six games. At least we thought, but it's now about to be November, and Zeke Elliott hasn't sat out one game this year. Now, if you're the Cowboys, you would have rather he had served six games as and, and coming back now as opposed to taking him out of the lineup, heading down the playoff home stretch here, right? So That's hot. This didn't work out for anybody. By the way, hey, Jerry Jones, how's that coup going to uh, overthrow Roger Goodell? Can I get an update on that? Isn't Jerry Jones trying to hold up? an extension they already gave Roger Goodell. It's kind of too late for that. You can't put three Snickers in my trick-or-treat bag. Wait a minute, wait, wait, I need one of those back. Uh-uh, sorry. You already gave Roger Goodell his extension. By the way, as night falls here on Halloween night, if you still want to listen to us while you're out trick-or-treating, ESPN app, put it on your phone, listen tab, punch in ESPN Syracuse, off you go. Won't miss a thing. Back after this. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.